Welcome back to Life Over Matter podcast. I'm the host, Evelyn Kish, and we are upon another Sunday of reading the continuation of The Untethered Soul, Living Untethered, The Human Predicament by Michael A. Singer. We have just finished last Sunday, chapter 28, and today we are starting chapter 29, entitled Neither Suppression or Expression. Though it's true that you don't want to suppress emotions, you also don't want them running your life. There is a sacred place between suppression and expression, pure experience. In this state, you're neither suppressing the energy internally nor expressing it externally. You're simply willing to experience the energy coming from your heart and mind. The sorrow of death and the joy of birth are both coming up inside and feeding your soul. They're touching you all the way to the core of your being. You're not touching them, they're touching you. There's nothing to do about it. It's all simply a gift God is giving you. The mind is free to think, the heart is free to feel, and all of this leaves you at peace in a state of gratitude. This is the way that life is meant to be. Yet you can't handle certain thoughts and emotions. You can't resist them. And when you build a mental world around what you have stored in there, in this state, you only feel the gratitude if you get what you want or avoid what you don't want. Eventually, you wake up and realize that you have work to do, real work. That work is not outside, it's inside. The work becomes your spiritual practice. To get what you want, joy, love, enthusiasm, and passion for every moment of your life, you need to get these stored patterns out. The problem is, while you might see this intellectually a very short period of time, your mind is going to fight back. This is because the inner path doesn't fit the mind's habitual patterns for how to be okay. The only data the mind currently has is based upon its past experiences, so the mind always thinks it's right. This is part of the predicament. Please understand that your mind will always think it's right. The mind is not dumb. It knows what it experienced, but it doesn't know what it didn't experience, which is definitely the larger body of knowledge. This is why the wise sage Lao Tzu reflected that a wise man does not argue, but for what purpose? You have your mindset, and another person has their mindset. All their lifelong data says one thing, and your totally different lifelong data sees it differently. There's nothing that you're going to do about that except be humble enough to realize that at any given moment, the data that you're taking in is less than 0.001% of what's going on everywhere. It's meaningless. It rounds to zero. In essence, you've had a whole bunch of zero breath experiences that add up to zero. The personal mind is so caught up in itself that it will never want to look at that truth. Deep spiritual teachings embrace that truth. They ask you to look at the world in front of you and realize that it took billions of years for that exact moment to manifest before you. Accept that. Honor that. Surrender to that. This begins by first accepting reality and not resisting it. It's about not doing or not doing anything. It's about doing or not doing anything. It's about surrendering your initial resistance to what is. You see what's there and let go of all the stuff that comes up due to your stored samskaras. Inevitably, your mind is going to start talking about likes and dislikes. Just don't listen. Why would you listen to that? It's your personal blockages superimposed on reality. You can now understand what you are accepting and surrendering to. Reality. What else is there? Reality is truth, at least for the moment. It's what's real versus what past mental impressions that are simply leftover thoughts lingering. The way to deal with these mental impressions is to realize that they're perfectly natural. Reality is going to come in. It's going to hit your blockages and your mind is going to talk about it. Fine. Be it that as it may, you don't have to listen. It's that simple. 
If you know your mind doesn't know what it's talking about, then why listen? As we've seen, the personal mind can't know anything except for the data that it has collected. That data is nothing compared to the universal set of data that it has missed every moment. That data the mind has in there is what we call statistically insignificant. That's why the mind changes its mind so often. Give it one more experience and it will view things differently. Interesting that we keep listening to it anyway. A wise person doesn't renounce the world. They honor the reality that's unfolding in front of them. Likewise, a wise person doesn't renounce the use of their mind. They just don't listen to the personal mind because it's lost in thoughts about itself. The personal mind is not going to solve your problems. It's doing the best it can with the limited data that it has, but its efforts don't generally work out so well. Regarding the heart, a wise person allows the heart to freely express itself inwardly but doesn't get lost in it. Some people say, follow your heart. They must not be referring to the personal heart because it's all over the place on a day-to-day basis. Fortunately, there's a higher heart to follow. Once energy flows past the middle of the fourth chakra, it enters a deeper heart that doesn't change ever. There's a constant upward flow of beautiful energy. It brings waves of bliss so powerful you can hardly focus outwardly. It wafts over you and settles back into this beautiful peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that you have is because of what you get. The peace that you have is because you got what you wanted. The understandable. This peace comes over you and stays for no reason, completely unconditionally. That's what your higher heart has to offer you. This is the gift of your spiritual heart. To experience your personal heart, you must learn to rise above your personal heart. Personal heart is very strong and very emotional. It's not easy to pierce through the personal heart, but it is possible. First, check to see if your heart's expressions are based on current reality or the thoughts in your mind. Thoughts of what wrong in the past and what might go wrong in the future create emotions that are out of tune with reality. There's no end to the mess that can create in your heart. Since the energies that build up in the heart must have a channel for release, these emotions will spill over into your external life and create quite a disturbance. If your emotions are in harmony with the reality unfolding before you, they're generally healthy and support the quality of your life. When both of your heart and mind are in harmony with reality, energies don't release outwardly because nothing is blocking them. The power of these unblocked energies passing through the lower heart can then be utilized to rise into higher parts of the heart because you're neither suppressing nor expressing the deeper spiritual states beginning to unfold. You can contribute still to what's happening outside, but your actions are not personal in nature. They're simply beautiful moment-to-moment interactions with reality that are serving the flow of life. Reaching this state requires clearing out the samskaras that are blocking the energy flow and not putting any more in there. To do this, learn to handle your heart. This takes practice, just like you practice the piano, a sport, or anything else. We'll explore this process in great depth in the following chapters. What it requires is a change in attitude. You begin to accept the things that are going to happen. They're going to hit your heart, and your mind is going to create thoughts to release the built-up energies. You commit to being okay with this process. This attitude of acceptance is very different from suppressing the emotions and thoughts or letting yourself get lost in them. Just honor what the heart is doing and learn to sit back and relax behind it. Emotions can become like a breeze blowing across your face. Nothing to do except experience the experience. Appreciate the work your heart is doing to push out the samskaras you've collected over the years. 
Your heart will do the work. All you need to do is allow the purification to take place. At first, it's not easy to relax in the face of what you've spent your life avoiding. But it's certainly worth it because the reward is love, freedom, and constant inspiration. After all, you've already been through so much pain for so little gain. The bottom line is that you're a beautiful being. You're a being of great love, light, and inspiration. You're made in the image of God. The God who created you created the whole universe that exists inside of you, but you don't realize that. You're lost in thinking that the world outside has to be a certain way for you to be okay. This is the human predicament, and nothing is going to meaningfully change until you learn to live from a deeper place. To get out of this predicament, you've got some work to do, and the work is on yourself. To quote Rumi, the great 13th century Persian poet, Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm changing myself. That concludes Chapter 29. We'll be right back after this quick break. Chapter 30. Techniques for Freeing Yourself Logically, it doesn't make sense to store inside of you the experiences that bothered you the most. If you do that, you build your own internal house of horrors and will struggle to be comfortable inside. This is the root cause of all anxiety, tension, and psychological disturbances. This cannot be fixed until you deal with it at its root. As long as you're holding inside of you, which bothered you 10 or 20 years ago, you're going to suffer. Once your intent is to use every moment of your life to free yourself, the question becomes how to do that. Believe it or not, your sincere intent to be free is more important than any technique you can use. You're in there, and if you understand these teachings, you realize that you don't want blockages in there. They make life extremely difficult, so you commit to letting them go. Traditionally, there are some powerful techniques for freeing yourself during your everyday life, and we'll discuss three of them in very broad terms. The first technique is called positive thinking. Yogananda used to teach that every time you have a negative thought, replace it with a positive one. It's a very basic and useful technique for bringing about change. It's based on two types of thoughts that we discussed earlier, those created willfully and those that happen automatically. If you notice your mind giving you a hard time while you're driving, those are automatically generated thoughts. If you're not purposely created them, I'll try to purposely create positive thoughts about the situation. If the person in front of you is driving much slower than the speed limit, you might say inside your mind, wow, what an opportunity to relax. I can't be in a rush because the person in front of me won't let me. I guess it's time to watch my breath, calm down and learn to enjoy the experience. You're welcome to do that in everyday life. You're not fighting with your mind or pushing away the negative thoughts. You're simply replacing the automatically generated thoughts with willfully created ones. Don't fight, just replace. It doesn't matter if the negative thoughts continue in the background. Just focus on the positive thoughts you're willfully creating. Over time, your willfully created thoughts will replace the automatically generated ones. This is a very healthy thing to do. Simply apply your will to offset or neutralize the effect of your samskaras. Over time, this will develop a more positive mind, which is a much, much nicer environment to live in. The next technique is very traditional and is broadly referred to as mantra. 
In the most general sense, mantra means training your mind to repeat a simple word or phrase over and over until it gets stuck in your mind. Just like a song can get stuck in your mind, a mantra can get stuck in your mind as well. We all experience that our minds can work in layers. You can be paying attention to someone speaking and there can still be thoughts going on in the back of your mind. Your mind is so brilliant that it can multitask. It can create thoughts at multiple levels and you can be aware of these layers simultaneously. Mantra is offering you a layer of mind that's always there. Balanced, pleasant, a safe place to rest. As the mantra effortlessly goes on in the background, it gives you the choice of which layer of mind you want to focus on. When the habitual thoughts come up from your samskaras, you don't have them to fight with or even replace them. You just shift your consciousness into the mantra. With positive thinking, you're continuously using your will to neutralize negative thoughts with positive ones. With mantra, you're simply using your will to shift the focus of your consciousness from the samskara-generated thoughts to the mantra. Mantra is a gift. It's like a built-in vacation. If you do the work necessary to instill the mantra in a layer of your mind, it will change your life. First off, the mantra does not have to be traditional Sanskrit mantra like Om Namaha, Shivaya, Om Padma Hum. It can just be a word for God, like Jesus, Adonai, or Allah. In fact, a very powerful mantra is simply God, God, God. If all these seem too religious for you, a great thing to have going on in your mind is, I'm always fine, I'm always fine, I'm always fine. How nice would it be just to be reminded of any of these thoughts throughout your day? It is not difficult to instill the mantra in your mind. It just takes repetition. You can start practicing mantra during the time that you put aside each morning and evening for your spiritual practices. Even just 15 minutes will go a long way. A good technique is to tie the mantra to your breath going in, and out. And during the day, come back to it whenever certain events occur. For example, you could say a few repetitions of the mantra before you pick up the phone. And after you put it down, it just takes a moment and you're making a major investment in becoming more conscious and a centered being. Do it whenever you get in and out of your car, as well as when you enter or leave the house or office. No one will even notice. It's just a moment's pause that will change everything over time. Before you eat, say the mantra. If you're eating by yourself, you can have fun inwardly repeating the mantra while you chew your food. Make it a game. How many recurring events in your everyday life can you set up to remind you to practice the mantra? Here's a good use of your smartphone. Set up repeating reminders to do the mantra. And over time, you'll train your mind to always have the mantra going on in the background during your daily life. Even if you've done this work on yourself, a fateful day will inevitably arrive. Something will happen and your thoughts and emotions will start to get upset. You'll be on the verge of losing it, but the mantra will catch your attention just enough to give you the choice. Go down or go up. You immediately shift your awareness of the mess and onto the mantra and your life changes. The mantra does not stop you from having constructive thoughts. It just sits there as a safety net to catch you if you start to fall. When you have some time to actually rest back into the mantra, you'll become filled with peace and well-being. It's like a vacation from the personal mind. How would you like it if the moment you sat down, tension and stress melted away as you fell back under the lap of the mantra? All of this is available to you free of charge. Just be willing to make the investment in yourself. Notice that with the mantra, you're learning to surrender the hold that the personal mind has on you. The final technique that we'll discuss for freeing yourself from yourself is generally termed witness consciousness, and it includes the powerful practice of relaxing and releasing. 
Witness consciousness is deeper than other techniques because in the end, it doesn't require working with the mind. Positive thinking involves creating positive thoughts to replace the negative ones. Mantra involves creating a layer of mind that provides a peaceful and steady environment for rising above the lower layers. Witness consciousness is simply noticing that you're noticing what the mind is doing. You don't need to interact with the mind. You don't need to do anything. Just be the one who notices that the mind is creating thoughts and that you're aware of them. In order to do that, you can't be disturbed by the thoughts that are being created. If the thoughts bother you, then you'll leave the seat of objective observation and try to change the mind. To truly achieve witness consciousness, you must be willing to let the thoughts be as they may and simply be aware that you are aware of them. If you want to experience true witness consciousness, just look in front of you. Don't you see what's there? Don't think about it, just see it. That's witness consciousness. It's just seeing. You're simply, simply witnessing what's there. Now, turn your head and look around. Practice the immediacy of just seeing. Notice that your thoughts often have something to say about what you see. Can you simply notice these thoughts like you noticed what was outside? Or you have something, you have to do something about them. Thoughts, emotions, they come up by themselves. Good. Now, simply notice them. When you reach this state where you can observe what's going on in your mind and heart, you'll notice that you're not always comfortable with what's happening inside. What is more there than the tendency to want to willfully do something about it? That's very natural. If you want to willfully do something, here's what you do. Relax. This is certainly not the intuitive thing to do. You want to protect yourself from the inner disturbance by getting rid of it. That struggle just makes it worse. You are capable of simply relaxing and not engaging with the disturbed energies. At first, this seems impossible because you're trying to get the disturbance itself to relax. Don't do that. You relax. You who notices the disturbance are not the disturbance. You're witnessing the disturbance and you're welcome to relax in the face of it. You're in the seat of awareness, way back inside watching the dance of the mind and the heart. It's a very natural place. It's a place back inside. If you don't get pulled into the thoughts and emotions, you just relax and notice. Don't think about it. The moment that you see what's going on, just relax. Relax your shoulders, relax your tummy, relax your butt, and most importantly, relax your heart. Even if the heart itself won't relax, the area around your heart will. You have the willpower in there. Use it. Here's what you do with your will. Relax and release. First, relax through your initial resistance and release the disturbed energy that comes up. When, do you, when you do this, you're actually providing space for the release of samskaras causing the disturbance. You're giving them more room to release because you're not struggling with the thoughts and emotions that they're creating. Eventually, there's no struggle as you've created this distance between the seat of self and the noisy mind. To be free, you need to distance between those two, subject and object. Spirituality is not about changing the objects you're looking at. Spirituality is about accepting the objects not getting stuck into them. It's about being detached and feeling at peace with whatever your mind and heart are doing. When you're totally comfortable with everything that can come from your mind and heart, they'll stop creating that inner disturbance. You don't know that yet, but it's true. People often ask whether the mind will keep talking once you're at peace with it. The mind is talking because you're not okay, and it's trying to figure out how to be okay by getting things the way that you want them. Once you're okay in there, there's much less to talk about. When you're in the presence of someone you love, you're not thinking about how to find love. You're just experiencing the beauty of the love. 
Likewise, when you're not when you're okay in there, you won't be thinking about how to be okay. You'll just relax. You'll be relaxing into the quiet state of peaceful well-being. This requires that you be okay with the thoughts and emotions. Relaxing in their presence is a good start of, to being okay with them. If you can't willfully relax in the face of thoughts and emotions, you'll have to do something about them. You'll get pulled down into them and attempt to do something to fix what's bothering you. Better to simply relax and allow the samskaras, the room that they need to release. When you relax back into witness consciousness, you're surrendering to the reality of what is happening. First, relax. Then lean away. You who notices are at a distance from what you are noticing. You don't have to think about it. Just notice what you're seeing in there. Thoughts and emotions are all distinct and at a distance from you. And lean away from their noise. The mind and the emotions make noise. It's not a problem. Just relax and lean away from the noise. When you lean away from the noise, you're creating the distance between you, the consciousness, and the objects of consciousness, which are the thoughts and emotions. In that distance, the samskaras have room to release their energy. It's going to get uncomfortable, and that's natural. The discomfort that you're experiencing is the discomfort of the samskaras being released. They were stored with pain. They're going to release with pain if you let them. This is the pain that ends all pain. That concludes chapter 30 and our episode. I will see you next Sunday for chapter 31 the low-hanging fruit.